around here? Yeah, wind and rattlesnakes for sure. Because it was a gift. It was a gift yeah. to me from Todd. Like he oh. found it and he said, you're going to love this. It was the best. And I love that people still love it. You know? Yeah. And I love the name too. Because naming roots, that's the fun part. Like the rest is just work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Naming roots is the magic. Yeah. What's your favorite um, route that you've named? Probably Wind and Rattlesnakes. Yeah. Because yeah, it's from a Gretel Ehrlich book, uh, The Solace of Open Spaces. It's, and I'm going to have to read that. Yeah, you've got to read it. It's so, so great. It's the classic Wyoming book. But she asked, in one of her um, essays in it, she asked a cowboy to describe Wyoming. And that's what he says. I mean, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. That about sums it up. Welcome <laughs> to Dear Lander, a purely Lan Diego podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Jordan. I'm Amara. And today we have and we are up at Amy Skinner's um, spot up in Limestone. Yeah. Welcome, Amy Skinner. Yay, thank you. <laughs> We're so excited to have you. I'm so excited to have you here. She's been treating us like... <clears throat> royalty up here, man. Yeah, bribery, right? Oh, yeah. no bribery. Mm. Just pure delicious <laughs> lander food and yes. some Kentucky whiskey, you know what I'm saying? Some yes. whiskey like the sunset over the sagebrush. Yeah. It's amazing up here. I feel very pampered. Yeah, I'm very it's grateful awesome. for this. Yay. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, you gotta come back again. We would yes, love please. To. How are you doing? So good. This is like my favorite spot. In the universe, mm-hmm. and it's so fun to be here. I love Dear Lander. I love Lander. Well, thank you so, so much. So it's perfect. <laughs> it is perfect. It's like yeah, it all aligned. Yeah. So tell us about um, tell us about this place that we're in. Like, yeah. how'd you come to have it? Why um, is it so special to you? Yeah. So this is the mountain house. That's what the kids called it. We called it the cabin at first, but it's not a cabin. It's like a big old mountain house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so special because um, we could see it from up at the North Country when we first were climbing there. And Todd got it in his head that we needed a cabin down there. Kids were little in diapers, you know, and it was kind of hard hauling them around. So one day, the story goes, he was just on a rest day, and he just was prowling through this little in-holding here at Pass Creek. And my theory is he liked this cabin because it's got the high ceiling that he could put the climbing wall in. Mm -hmm. And he just sweet-talked his way into this place. It was an older couple who lived here, and, you know, if you know Todd, you know that he was really good at, like, bringing people around to his way of seeing the world. And by the end of the afternoon, he was like, They were saying, well, you know, we could move to Colorado. We've been thinking about getting closer to the kids, and we'd like this nice young family to have our cabin. So it was a done deal pretty soon. That's was two. I think it was 2002, pretty sure. Whenever that big fire was, Pest Creek Fire. Yeah. It's crazy to think about 2002, because like we were talking about earlier, it just doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but I was like... Mm -hmm. 13. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was in the second grade. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it still feels like, yeah, I mean, I feel like 2009 is, you know, it was like two years ago, probably. Yeah, or yeah something. and it's so not. It feels like that. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. For sure. Oh. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I don't know. What do you want to know? 
How'd you get to Lander? Where'd you come from? How'd you I, get to Lander? Yeah, I was born and raised in Las Vegas. Oh. In the 60s when it was a cool place to be. Did you ever see Frank Sinatra? No, but my folks did, I'm sure. That's so it cool. It was cool in the 60s. Like Vegas in the 60s was so different because like my parents would dress up and you know, yeah. my dad would wear a suit and my mom would wear a cute little mini skirt, you know, and go out on the town and... Yeah, I feel like when you, it's Fremont Street, right? Isn't mm-hmm. that the original strip? When you go yep. there, it feels yes. just so like Rat Pack old school, Absolutely. like the golden nugget. I can just see it in my head and you're like, yeah, man, yeah, like yep. this is a 60s style. Yeah, it's so cool. Oh, yeah. And my mom knew Sammy Davis Jr. Stop. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. She knew him. What? She met him at her work. So, and had, I think there's funny story about like, she was at lunch with her boss at like a Denny's or Bob's Big Boy. And he oh said, God. now Lucille, like, don't lose your shit. He didn't say that. <laughs> but he said, like, keep cool. Keep it calm. And just look over my shoulder and that's Sammy Davis Jr. And he's a friend and I'm going to introduce you. And she went totally crazy. <laughs> um, how could you not? Right? I'm freaking out just yeah. even thinking about it. Yeah. So that's Vegas so cool. cool. Yeah. But we really didn't live in Vegas. We yeah. uh, until I was ten, we lived in Vegas, and then we moved to Mount Charleston, which is kind of the the snow covered mountains above Red Rocks, above Vegas. Oh, okay. And we lived up there in the Toyabe Forest, which was super cool. cool. Like that was my dream, and I, I lived up there through high school. Rad. So, yeah. So we were always skiing and hiking and climbing. And and now Mount Charleston is a big deal. Like I just saw Jonathan Segrist was doing a really hard route there at Mount Charleston. We never even considered climbing there because there were no cracks, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. off we'd go to Red Rocks or, you know, down to the granite areas, Keyhole. But it was a really cool place to to grow up for sure that's so and i grew up climbing my dad was a climber Mm. so i grew up climbing in red rocks with him bouldering and climbing with that whole cool 70s scene there cool and what is what is the climbing like there in red rocks um it's sandstone Mm -hmm. and it's kind of terrible sandstone but it's got this desert varnish on it that black kind of glaze mm -hmm. on it that makes it more solid but not super solid like Todd hated it there but it's really lovely like you go back in these canyons and there's big long sport routes like 10 pitch sport routes so super fun climbing cool and when I was a kid you know we'd go out bouldering and just yeah bouldering on the sandstone was really nice because it's easy on your skin you know so it was fun growing up with my you know climbing with my dad yeah yeah and then let's see what happened. Then I went on the road for a decade or so because I was fighting fires there mm-hmm. in Vegas. Like right out of high school, I started working for the Forest Service. And so um, found out the very first summer that I was cleaning outhouses that fire was where it's at. And so I started mm. fighting fires that summer That's and so then cool. was on an engine for a couple of years and then headed up to Alaska to be on a hotshot crew up there. Did that for a year till I wanted to. Oh yeah, we were talking about being a smoke jumper. Yeah. So I was one of the first women smoke uh, hot shots in Alaska. But then I thought I wanted to be a smoke jumper. Mm-hmm. And so it all kind of ties into how I got here because 
the year that I was a hotshot, my boyfriend and I had gone out to go climbing in Chattanooga and got rained on, got rained on, got rained on. And we tried to think of the driest place that we could come up with. And it was Waco Tanks, Texas, El Paso. Because we'd heard of it. It was a new climbing area. I think this was like 85 maybe. And so we drove to El Paso as fast as we could and got there, drove up to the climber's campground. And that was the first time I laid eyes on old Todd Skinner. (gasps) And he was just leaning. He was talking on the payphone. There were payphones back then. He doesn't love a good payphone moment. Right? (laughs) Come on. I didn't know I was going to spend my whole life waiting for Todd to get done with the payphone. (laughs) That man could talk on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. So did you introduce yourself? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, because we, we'd kind of heard of him. We'd seen him in the climbing magazine, so mm-hmm. we were a little starstruck. And we ended up um, climbing with him at Waco for about a month. And then off he went to Mexico, and we were going back to Vegas. And then that year, I decided to um, be a rookie smoke jumper in Redmond, Oregon. And I got up there the Friday before my rookie school started, and... There was Todd Skinner. No way. Yep. Whoa. And in that year, I had broken up with my boyfriend. And so there I was with a girlfriend getting ready to rookie and had my first date with Todd Skinner. And um, then he went off. I think he was going off to Europe for the World Cup. And I was staying there to rookie. Mm-hmm. And a, a week later, I blew up my knee, washed out of rookie school. Shoot. Yeah. It was like the whole world was falling apart. But then I just kept running into him over the next year or so. My boyfriend at the time, Mike, actually was real good friends with Todd after Mm. that. And the weird thing is we ended up traveling together as part of a big group of roving climbers. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, over the next year or so, I kept running into Todd and then... Met him down at the ski show in Las Vegas, which was, you know, the outdoor industries show back then. And that's when we started dating and, and I thought about coming to Wyoming. Cool. So. And he was already out here at the, at the time? Kind of. I mean, he was, we didn't really live anywhere. Mm-hmm. So um, he, his dad and brothers had Skinner Brothers outfitting over in Pinedale. Mm-hmm. And so Todd got called in every fall to be a hunting guide. So it was kind of based here, but during that time, we all just traveled. And so my schedule was like, I'd go to school for a semester, I'd fight fires for the summer and into the fall, and then I would climb until it was time to go back to the next semester. And that's kind of what Todd was doing too, just kind of traveling to wherever it was great, climbing and yeah. So cool. Yeah. It was great. I mean, no... No regrets. Like, it took me nine years to get my bachelor's degree, but only nine semesters. It just, yeah, they like were when you, yeah, spread out. Which, honestly, like, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. That does sound like, great. Like, I loved college, but also I'm like, oh, yeah, that would be, that would be a good way to do it, you know? Yeah. Because you don't really burn out on it, but like. So I'm trying to think when we got here. We, um, when we first started dating, oh, and that was kind of, it all, melded together because um when i blew my knee out for the forest service they gave me a check every month which was kind of awesome because paul and todd were in yosemite trying to climb the salathay with no money 
And so I had this paycheck coming in from the Forest Service, which was kind of cool. But we didn't really get back to Wyoming until after they climbed the Salathay and they had an accident on top. Did you hear about that? No. Oh my gosh, that's so a big story. So um, this was 1988 and I had been in Yosemite with them. I dropped them at the base and off I went to climb with a girlfriend in Utah. And they went on to actually free climb the Salathay. And they were so delighted. They got to the top. They tied off this huge boulder, like as big as this table mm-hmm. and like eight feet tall that people had been tying off as their anchor for 25 years. Wow. And this time, um, Paul started hauling the bag and the boulder moved. And the boulder slid off the sloping ledge. Oh my God. And pushed Todd back over the edge. And the incredible thing is that every rope that needed to break broke. And every rope that didn't need, like the rope that Todd was connected to, got smashed by his metal ascender. You know, the Jumar? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the, the rock rolled over it, and that metal cinder saved Todd's rope. Wow. So, long story short, that huge, massive boulder fell off the top of this El Capitan and went all the way to the ground in, along with their haul bags. And so people saw these bags break apart uh-huh. and thought they were bodies, people yeah. falling. Yeah. And so no one looked at them looked for them at the top everyone looked at the base so these guys were up there at the top in the cold with uh paul had a broken leg and todd had broken ribs and no one was looking for him and they realized finally that no one was coming and they made their way down to the ground and made it to the clinic but it was like this 12-hour ordeal and during all that time everyone thought they had died yeah yeah. So I've always been kind of glad that we didn't have cell phones back then because yeah. I, I was totally clueless. I was off in Utah camped out somewhere mm-hmm. and I didn't hear about their accident till like 10 days later when I called Todd to see if I could come up to Wyoming. Oh, and oh meet my him. goodness. Yeah. It was amazing. I mean, they survived that somehow. Those still had some living to do, I guess. Uh-huh. So. <sighs> You know, that does make me think. So Jordan and I met at camp, which I talk about this all the time. But our Jordan was lucky enough, and me too, to meet Dr. Earl Room. And he was our, I mean, like, he wasn't really the director, but he did all of our general sessions. And everything he had to say was just, like, so profound. And he used to tell this story about how when he was in the army, he had this friend who somehow the pin came out of a grenade in this guy's pocket and Earl was standing next to him and he just remembers being like, well, and he just like grabbed this guy's hand and they just sat there and waited and nothing happened. It never went off. And so Earl always used to say, well, I guess we still have something important to do. Wow. Yeah. I guess. And it was like, and he told that story every year and every year I would just be like, yeah. Yeah. And that just made me think of that. Like, yeah. You know? So true. Yeah. I believe that to a point. So I finally called him and he told me what had happened. But that was the first time I came to Wyoming because then I came up um, to meet him and his family in Pinedale. And that was during the Cowboys on Everest era. Did you ever hear about that? No. So this when I first so met Todd, like he had this amazing, wonderful uncle, Courtney, who just died a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. but Courtney was the dreamer 
and Todd's dad, Bob, was the feet on the ground, practical guy who was going to figure out how to make Courtney's dreams work. And they came up with this plan to climb Everest. And so they got an Everest permit from the Chinese side. And the plan was Paul and Todd were going to go. And Todd's brother, Orion, was on the trip. And they had students and artists. And you knew it was going to be this big cultural, well, it was this big cultural experience. NPR reports were made from there. But this was when I was first getting to know Todd. And he's like, yeah, come to Pinedale. We're going to load up a C-47, I don't know, some big airplane from the Wyoming National Guard. We're going to load it up with expedition gear. And they're going to take it to Lhasa and then go climb Mount Everest. I'm like, (laughs) are you for real? Like, Like, what? Yeah. Yeah. But I got there. Sure enough, it was true. (laughs) Met the family. Todd and Paul didn't go because of their injuries Mm -hmm. from the Mm -hmm. Salafade. But his family went. His dad was like 56 at the time and got really high on Everest. That's so cool. They eventually got kicked off by the the winds and didn't make it to the summit. Mm. But it was this amazing big adventure. You know what I love about all these stories is I just feel how epic... Like, it's just so epic. You can just feel it. It's, like, energizing. It's so cool. I know. It's so exciting. And that's how Skinner's were, you know? Yeah. Courtney was always dreaming big. And that's where Todd learned it, I think, really. Like, he had these huge dreams and just, you know, people figured out how to do it. Yeah. Which I think ties back into, you know, we were talking with May in our second episode about Lander and kind of how, I don't know, I've, I haven't quite found the same level of energy in other places as I have here where people are like, I have this massive dream mm-hmm. and we're just going to figure out how to do it. And I feel like all of what you've said kind of speaks to that. And I feel like you guys probably have contributed a huge amount to that culture in Lander. Yeah, I hope so. I think so. You know, yeah. I really am I'm proud of the the team we put together you know, just at Wild Iris, at Mountain Sports, yeah. and at the Crags. You know, it was just like, we knew we loved it here. We knew we wanted to stay, and we had to figure out a way to make that happen. And so that was kind of what Wild Iris was about, was, you know, how are we going to employ ourselves and our climbing partners? So they want to stay here, you know? Yeah. And so that's really... It started just as a job for myself and for my sister-in-law, Holly. And we just couldn't find a good job and just thought, well, what the heck? We'll start a store. Yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. I'm, I'm curious to know, when you when you did start Wild Iris, mm-hmm. what was that like stepping into that, that place in Lander? What was Lander like at the time? And was it, um, I guess, was Lander ready for Wild Iris? Yeah. Yeah, um, I guess there had been an outdoor store. Mm. I can't remember what it was called. Um, and there was, of course, the good place, which was more hunting and fishing. Right. But I don't know that we even thought about it that much. We just thought, awesome. ah, you know, we could do this. We have a yeah. bunch of size 37 Sportivas, and we've got some uh, hand-me-down Patagonia stuff from Frank Dussel's store in Laramie. Let's just open a store. We were totally clueless, like had no idea how to run a business. 
I remember one time we first got one of those credit card machines, you know, that you ran the card over. Do you, you might not remember those. So you used to place the card on this little heavy oh, yeah. machine and, then and you run a thing over it. And take yeah, a like, carbon copy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some places still do that around oh here. Oh my gosh. In Wyoming. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. That is old technology. Yes. Well, Effective technology. Kind of. kind of. I mean, carbon copies disappear. Oh like, my God. They disintegrate pretty quickly. Yeah, but. yeah. Todd didn't know how to run it. And he was all kind of freaked out about it. You had to call on the telephone to make sure it was a good card. And so one of the days that we left him alone at the store, he just let people take stuff and said, oh, just come back and pay Amy tomorrow. It's like, and they did. That was the thing. Yeah. Like, they totally did it. Also the vibe of Lander. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that was what it was all about was the people, you know, giving our friends and our partners a way to live here. And I'm super proud of where that's gone because we have all these alumni who are now, you know, the Mike Lilligrens and Steve Bechtels and, you know, Jenna Ackerman and all these people who have come through our store. It was kind of the the starting point. Yeah. And now they're on to bigger things. So. And they're still here. They're still here. I love that. I know. It's just this is the best. It is. And that's what we've been trying to explore that. Like, why? Why is it the best? We and it's so hard to explain. In the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was 89, I think, the first time we came over here from the Black Hills. And it was just like cool and beautiful. And the first day we came to Wild Iris, I dropped Todd off up here at the North Country and he walked to the OK Corral. Yeah. And he was just stunned like he was like i love it and he never went back to custer again like i had to go close the house up and you know bring stuff over yeah he was just so enamored with this place i have watched wind and rattlesnakes a couple times and there's that one quote that uh i can't remember who says it but he's he was quoting todd and todd said oh my god there's rock like this in the united states Yeah. yeah yeah because holly his sister had traveled with him in Europe when he was on the World Cup and she knew what it looked like and he was just so psyched because he did not love living in Europe he loved Wyoming you know so he was so so pleased to just be here and Lander was you know it was the same then like we didn't have coffee shops and restaurants and all that but it just felt good it felt like you wanted to stay and make it better yeah I mean and I feel like you know, because I grew up north of here, but now being in Lander for a long time, it's like, that is just how you feel when you come here. Yeah. Like, you just do. Oh, my gosh. It's the good energy, guys. Yeah. And I moved away from here for a while after Todd died. Yeah. I just couldn't stay away. You know, yeah. it's just, this is home. This is where my heart is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've, you've built it with your hands. Right? Like... Yeah, no, you know? and, and, you know, those were such magic days, those early days when we first got here, because Todd was the only one who had a job, like before Wild Iris, yeah. and we rented a little cabin up here, and it was all climbing. Like, we would clean roots during the day or build trails and climb in the evening when it got cool and have dinner at midnight and do it all again. You know, it was just, like, such a great life. Oh, so so it sounds super magical. And like even hearing you talk about it, 
I just feel it. Like it's pretty cool. Um, Do you have a favorite climbing route around here? Yeah. Wind and rattlesnakes for sure. Because it was a gift. It was a gift to me from Todd. Like he found it and he said, you're going to love this. It was the best. And I love that people still love it. You know? And I love the name too. Because naming roots, that's the fun part. Like the rest is just work. Yeah. Naming roots is the magic. What's your favorite um, route that you've named? Probably Wind and Rattlesnakes. Yeah. Yeah, Because it's from a Gretel Ehrlich book, uh, The Solace of Open Spaces. I'm going to have to read that. Yeah, you've got to read it. It's so, so great. It's the classic Wyoming book. But she asked in one of her um, essays in it, she asked a cowboy to describe Wyoming. And that's what he says. I mean, yeah. 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 That about sums it up. When I was a young girl, I had me a cowboy. That was a good name, too. It's like the name is almost longer than the root. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So where have you, have you also climbed all over the world? Not like Todd did. Um, We made a couple trips to South Africa, which is the best, the most beautiful place. Like after Wyoming and the same people, you know, the people are everything there. So great. So I really loved it there, but I didn't I didn't travel as much as Todd did for sure. Climbed in Australia a bunch and New Zealand. Did you run into any weird snakes in Australia? Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like that all place I think is about. So scary. I know. Everybody's like and I guess maybe that like contributes to the niceness of Australians because they're like, Well, yeah. There's a bunch of crazy stuff and you gotta just kinda like yeah, you know, I mean, because their spider situation is oh, also man. terrifying. Like everything. Yes. Oh my off gosh. The rails, like. Yeah. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> oh, the mm. snakes in South Africa, though. Oh. Like cobras in the outhouse. Did you encounter any of those when you were climbing? Yeah. Cobras, really? Yeah, we saw oh there gosh. was honestly a cobra in the campground bathroom one night. I would shit my pants. Oh like, my god! I just. <laughs> Well, and mambas, you know, black mamba. So those are really deadly because they won't get out of the way. And they're so aggressive, aren't they? Super aggressive. So Todd and I were hiking one day on a a rest day. And I was in front. I'm just like charging along. And I almost stepped on a mamba. And so I turned around. And when I get scared, believe it or not, I can't talk. So nothing comes out. So I turned around and I put my hand on his chest and I started pushing. And he thought I was messing around, you know? So he starts pushing me back towards the snake. Oh Uh, my God. I shook uh, for like a day. Yeah. (laughs) So scary. Do they have any, like, do you, like when you're climbing there, do you have to be aware of snakes and stuff like in, on the wall and stuff? Yeah. Not over where we were in the Cedarburg, but we went to Durban, which is way more jungly. And yeah, there was a guy, I wish I could remember his name. Sam Leitner would know. It's like Simon, the snake guy. And you would truly be climbing along and there'd be a snake in the crack. Horrifying. No! Yeah, didn't work for me either. Too scared. I mean, I ran away from a rattlesnake Mm. earlier this season. And I'm like, you know, I mean, it's like, yeah, that's Wyoming. There are wind and rattlesnakes. Mm -hmm. And you just kind of move along. But I feel like if I was climbing and I just was like, like, no. Yeah, Yeah. not good. No. And I feel like like cobras and mambas especially. Right. Rattlesnakes just kind of want to be left alone. Yeah. yeah. But but mambas will like 
chase after you. Yeah, I've heard that. Like it was they're terrifying. really mean, and they're I mean far more deadly than a rattlesnake too. Yeah, yeah, right. <sighs> yeah, the yeah. jungle snakes, man. Because when Joe and I went to Belize, there's one. The Florida lance snake is down there, <laughs> and it will whip its head into you and basically like turn you into ash. It's so weird. <sighs> Yikes. Yeah. I went to Belize. <gasps> yes. And it was so beautiful. It's been I was the coolest there for like less than 24 hours. Oh. So that's a whole nother thing. But what we did was go to that national zoo in Belize City in the middle of the night. Like they let you walk in there at night. Really? And the monkeys were going off. It was crazy. So cool. We didn't spend any time in Belize City except in the airport, but mm. everyone should go to Belize. Yes. So yes. cool. Yeah, I'm like pack up and drive right like, now. I can't climb for crap, but like I'll go oh. with you. Like I never could either. And it wasn't about the climbing; it was about no. hanging out with the people. Yeah, like that. You know, the house we had at Waco Tanks, we had because people were there on vacation, so like they had their two weeks a year or their month or whatever it was, but they were so psyched. And so we got all that energy because they were there with all their 50 weeks of work pent up energy for climbing and they were sharing it with us. That's so nice. It was amazing because that was nonstop. We always had people coming through. Everyone was psyched. Um, So I was gonna ask, NMR has kind of already touched on um, just the impact and even like the sense of community, a lot of the stories that you've told highlight the sense of community that y'all had out on Lucky Lane. Um, oh, yeah. And then obviously like the routes that have been set and the culture that has been preserved here in Lander for climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, and talking to Mike Lilligran, we kind of discussed um, where he thinks climbing is headed and the state of climbing now in Lander. What's your take on that? Oh man, I, I totally agree with Mike. Like when we were in it, we thought we were doing everything and we were, you know, it was, it was wonderful. It was great. But now people are doing harder things and more and are so psyched. So, and I love that. I, I love it for myself and I love it for Todd that, um, cause he was always about progress. Like he could (laughs) recognize why he got to the point he was at and why I did because of the work other people had done before us. But he loved seeing people do his roots faster and better. And like, I remember yeah. meeting Tommy Caldwell when he was like 15, he'd come up here with his dad, you know, and work on hard roots, you know, and which is wild. That yeah. is so cool. So fun. <clears throat> and he was just, he just loved this place and his dad did and, and they would just come up for a weekend. But Todd was so psyched when he did hard things quickly, you know, and now with Allison Beth, is the woman who just did throw in the mm-hmm. hula hand like he would be super psyched oh. with no doubt and that was the psyche of of our team then and certainly now everyone is truly happy for you when you do your project it doesn't matter if it's 510 or if it's five a million you know yeah it's like people are honestly so happy when that happens for their progress and I hear that other places aren't like that, but I've been pretty lucky to be in this really friendly community of climbers. So I think so that goes on. And we, we work towards making that continue, mm-hmm. you know, being welcoming and like, you know, Vance White. Do you guys know him? 
Mm-hmm. He's yep. just the best, like the mayor of Sings Canyon. You know, he at at that time that we were climbing there so much, he just makes you feel welcome and you know shows you around, and that's just how it's always been. The sharing, I think, going through this whole process with the podcast and talking to a lot of people who have built the community of Lander that I walked into, is it's like, I think the word sharing mm-hmm. in general what I think of when I think of Lander now. Because yeah. people are so willing to share what they know and they want you to have a good time. Like I just keep thinking about yeah. when Jordan was like, I really just wanted to find this guy a coat so he could have yeah. the best time in the winds possible. And it's like, that is Lander. Yes. Yeah. And you're a huge part of that. Uh, and it's so cool to like sit here, you know, and like hear that and like really have it hit home for me is like, yeah, I'm getting to meet all of the people who have made Lander my Lander. Right. And that's really cool. Yeah. But, and there were so many, like I learned it from people, you know? Yeah. I felt it here. And and Lander has been just the most welcoming and uh, supportive place. You know, when Todd died and we had this huge memorial for him, like the town was there, the world was there. And I didn't do anything. Like there was this this powerful circle of women in my living room and they got my kids fed and they fed me and they got people to school and they made plans. And I was just like kind of there nodding my head and saying thank you because they just stepped in and did stuff, Yeah, you know, and that's totally landed. I've seen that so many times. Mm -hmm. Who are um, some other people from Lander that you look up to? Or that inspire you? Mm, so many. One of my biggest inspirations is Steve Bechtel. Like that man's been through it and he's so smart and funny and happy and he's amazing. He's such a great friend. And we've just been down the road so far. You know, it's just like people like, well, like the whole Bechtel family, truly. That family, you know, Leslie Bechtel Van Orman and her husband, Scott, like all those people just know me so well. And they're the kind of people you walk in and you don't have to make any explanation about what has happened or what's going to happen. They're just like, what can we do? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? So those guys are totally on the list. My dad. Yeah, amazing. let's talk about your dad for oh a second. Oh my gosh. Best trumpet player. Best. Ever. Yeah. Ever. And best adventure partner. Oh, tell us about that. Yeah. So my whole life with my dad, like I grew up in this family of musicians and I am no musician. And I always say, you know, they need an audience and that's me. I'm really good at that. But, you know, growing up with this family of specialists, I was like, oh, man, I don't fit in here. But my dad proved that to be totally wrong. And we just started hiking, backpacking, climbing, skiing, doing all the things, you know, flying. Like if I I used to have an airplane and I used to like if I needed a partner, it was my dad. Like I'd call him up. Hey, let's go. And he's like on it, pulling the airplane out of the hangar, and he's wait game what? whatever. You had an airplane? I had an airplane. You're so cool. It was the coolest, and I won it in a bet. So <laughs> stop. Yeah. Wow. So here's the backstory. We used to have milkshake wagers, like climbing. So mm-hmm. like if you were trying the same route and 
you know, I got it, but first, then you buy me a milkshake, right? So, and that kind of spread and everything was worth a milkshake. So it didn't matter if you were, I don't know, trying to put up a new route or, you know, who's gonna get a job first, whatever stupid thing it was. Mm -hmm. Everything was a milkshake wager. And so I decided I wanted to get my pilot license. So I was like studying and I got one of those like computer courses that gives you the questions over and over and you practice your test. Yeah. And Todd was just giving me grief. And he's like, oh, I'll tell you what, if you get 100% on your written, I'm gonna buy you an airplane. But if you get a 99, I'm gonna buy you a milkshake. And he thought that was the funniest thing. Like he was so pleased with himself for being <laughs> such a funny guy. So he told all his friends, so then he couldn't get out of it. Uh huh. And I actually did pull it off. Somehow I got a hundred on my written. Oh my so god! Like, okay. What was his reaction? He was so psyched. <laughs> Sweet. He loved, I think he loved flying more than I did because he just wanted to look out the windows and find new crags and find roads to get there. And so he had no desire to learn to fly, but he just loved flying. Oh my God. Yeah. You guys are the coolest. It was so I just, like, fun. I can't. I'm like, you have an airplane? <laughs> yeah. I yeah, miss that it. Is that is so cool. 736 X-ray Victor is the best. Oh. And when my kids were little, like, we'd pop over to Pinedale to see the grandparents. In 2018, I had the pleasure of flying over the winds. Uh, what was that like for you? Were you doing that regularly then yeah. to go over to Pinedale? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I, it was amazing, right? Yeah. Coming down this canyon from Gannett, you know, and just, like, and from Hooker. Oh, my gosh. Because that's pretty much straight on the way to Pinedale. Mm -hmm. I mean, often we'd come down and go across South Pass if it was windy and stuff, but it was just the best to be able to do that any time. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that is incredible. It was so amazing. Cool. And it was so fun. You know, I we got the plane. No, it was before Hannah was born. I was taking lessons before Hannah was born. I got my license and then got pregnant with Hannah. And so it was really fun to be able to pop over to show her off. But yeah. then I got pregnant with twins. And I was like, so big, so big. I couldn't fly anymore. <laughs> it's like, we thought of everything and it was like, nope. Yeah. All done flying, no oh. room. So how long has it been since you've flown? It's been eight years. So my friend Terry Watson was flying with Lighthawk then. She was executive director with Lighthawk. And she was trying to um, move a plane from Belize up to Alaska for the summer. And so she called me. I just had the twins, like they were three months old, and I was kind of going stir crazy. And she called and said, hey, we're moving this airplane from Belize to um, Montana. Do you want to come down and fly up with me? And so I flew commercial to Belize, and then Terry and another friend and I flew this little Cessna up here. Another hero, for sure. Yeah, I, I was going to ask about the Houlihan. Yeah, what can you tell me about the Houlihan and, and with May and everything yeah. or how oh, that came yeah. to fruition? Yeah, the Houlihan narratives. Yeah. Yeah. When we were living in Mancus, Colorado, my friends and I went up to Telluride to see a live uh, performance of The Moth. And we were so taken with it. 
And these two friends, Tom Yoder and Sarah Severson, started a storytelling program in Durango and Cortez called The Raven Narratives. And so we were huge fans of that. And I told a story there and was always in the audience. So that was what inspired us when we moved back to Lander to start the Houlihan Narratives because it's just the best the best community experience. Like you yeah. find, just like your podcast, like you find all the cool people and there are so many. There's yeah. so many of them and there's so many stories. Yeah. Well, you were speaking, which is why I was like, I must go. I remember buying like four tickets, I think. And then the <laughs> next round, I think was when it was either Griffin or Wolf was speaking. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember. And I remember Maybe texting both. Jordan and I was like, I have six tickets. Like I just, I was like, I will not not be there. And I yeah. knew that the tickets were going to go by like <laughs> so fast. So fast. Yeah. It's like just, it was one of the coolest experiences I'd had in Lander for yeah. sure. Oh, so glad. Yeah, and it's really important work. It's super important community building because that's the whole thing is to be listening to someone tell their story who you thought was very different from you and go, oh my gosh, I have felt that too. That's what the whole thing is about, you know, is to recognize in all of us. And so I I loved, one of my favorites was the... um, Whiskey is for drinking and water is for fighting over. That was an amazing storytelling event. Because it was um, the the former mayor, McComey. It was yeah. um, all these older lander folks who knew all the stories from way before all of us. Yeah. And it was so fun to pull in that audience and yeah. learn what it was like here 50 or 60 or 70 years ago. It was so cool. really, really good. Yeah. It's one of my favorite projects. Yeah. In Lander. Me too. I love it so much. And it's such a dream team. May Rats, anything to do with May, I'm on board. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter. I don't even need to know anything I'm in. And then my daughters have been really involved with it. Anna and Hannah. Um, And Chris Hampton, the guy who puts it all together. Such a talented, another hero for sure. So we're we're psyched to get it up and rolling again. The Pride Houlihan this year just made me fall in love with the Houlihan again. Yeah. Yeah. Because through COVID, we had kind of talked about having an online one. And we're like, no. It's just not the same. No, we just can't do it. I wish we had a light. I'm kind of loving this. I'm Are not going to lie. Yeah, oh, I'm like... so glad. I'm like, oh, it's like the moon. Oh, yes. Oh. I wish I even had a lantern set up. But anyway, it's kind of fun to be in the have dark. You, have you seen any spooky creatures out here? Well, we had a bear in the neighborhood a week ago. A little oh. black bear. Um, little I didn't cutie. see it. Um, I didn't see it except on the neighbor's wildlife cam. But it Crazy. had big old feet. That was the cutest thing, like seeing its huge feet. Isn't that funny? It's so funny to look at animals when they're babies. Their feet are huge. Like my dog's feet were huge compared to her body. And she's just like, you know. Yeah. It's so funny that that carries through. Because I would never think like, oh, I bet a baby bear has massive paws. Yeah. You know, but it makes sense. And had a moose walk through here the other day. That was kind of cool. If you were going to ride any animal into battle... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what animal would you ride? Totally my cat, Bub. Because yeah. she is brave and smart. Ride Big Bub. Yes. Yeah. Big Bub. <laughs> oh, I said a moose. Because I just feel like yeah. they could handle some stuff, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Moose is a great answer. 
<laughs> what would you what ride? What would you say? A giant sunfish. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh-huh. Makes sense to me. Cannot be beaten. Which also brings me to my other question. What is your favorite lander smell? Oh, I know. I know. Uh-huh. I've been thinking about this and trying to be original, and I can't. I can't no. because yeah. it is totally sage. But it's not mm-hmm. just sage. It's burning sage. Mm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you know how when you drive your car or your truck through the sage mm-hmm. and the engine is kind of hot and it smells like yeah. hot sage? That's... That is a great yeah, smell. Sweet. You are not wrong. Yeah. But, and for me, I think it's it's not necessarily just Lander. It's the West because that's yeah. my, like my fire roots. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I worked one summer in Winnemucca where the sage, have you been there? No. The sage is like through. 12 feet high, 15 feet high. It's wow. huge. It's like a tree. Yeah. And when that burns, it is amazing. I feel like this this is maybe an appropriate time to bring this up. If you uh have have either of y'all burned yarrow before? No. So in Six Canyon camp, <laughs> sometimes as a counselor, I would burn yarrow, and it smells like chicken. What? When you burn it over the fire, yeah. And where the kids so disappointed. <laughs> They're like, oh, chicken. <laughs> maybe I'll like something better than burning sage. I can't believe you didn't bring that up in the Sinks Canyon episode. I I, I definitely remember certain counselors being like, yeah, whatever, dude. You know? (laughs) And then they would actually smell it and they would be like, oh my God, yeah, it does smell like chicken. Well, that's so weird. Because it's like supposed to be kind of minty, right? Like you can make Hmm. tea out of the leaves of yarrow, can't you? I don't know, because that just, you were like tea and it's like yerba mate. I don't know why, (laughs) but like, you know. Yeah. yeah. I love the Sinks Canyon episode. Because my kids went to Sinks Canyon camp, you know, Mm -hmm. and that was so fun to listen to those guys talk. Oh, that was great. Well, and it's fun for me too, because like, once again, like coming in here later in life and not having those experiences, but knowing so many people who have, it's just fun to hear, hear the stories in such a, not in a passing way. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. because you can be like, oh, Sinks Canyon camp. Well, it was great. Talking so in depth about like the golden bear claws and like, (laughs) you know, like all of the different things that counselors did and like all of that. It's so cool to just hear, hear it more deeply, I think. And my kids had such fond memories of that and and just in general kind of outdoor stuff. Like when we had kids, we, we made this conscious effort to make sure that they wouldn't remember their first time they slept outside or the first time they did something, hiked to the medicine wheel or whatever it was they we wanted it just to be something they had always been doing yeah, and that's, that's kind cool. of how they are especially about this house and this area it's like there was always just a pile of kids here and and they all grew up together and in a big old pile that's and that's how cool. I grew up too yeah so it just feels like talking about Lucky Lane earlier, mm-hmm. that community. I was thinking about that earlier because there were so many people there that nobody really knew who belonged to who. Yeah. And two funny things happened. Once a car was left in the middle of the Lucky Lane parking lot for like two, three days. And it was just parked like in the middle of the street out there. 
And we walked around it for a couple of days until the police came and knocked on our door and said, do you know you've got a stolen car in your front yard? What? And we're like, no, is it stolen? Really? And they said, well, didn't it strike you odd that you had this car here that nobody was moving, nobody claiming? And it had never occurred to us. Like we just assumed somebody parked it and went into the winds. And so we were just going to walk around it until they got back. Police didn't think it was so funny as we did. Oh, I see. (laughs) They were like, this sounds kind of fishy. But it gets worse than that because there was a guy. I came home from work one day at the Wild Iris. There's a guy on my couch. I'm like, hey, how are you? (laughs) Introduced myself. And I assumed he was a friend of Todd's. Uh Well, Todd assumed he was a friend of mine. And he was there for like days, eating out of our refrigerator. (laughs) Wow. And we still don't know who he was. He was just some dude. When did you guys figure that out? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not for a long time after he left. You know, he left and Todd's like, oh, he was a nice guy. So, like, where do you know him from? I'm like, I don't know. Where do I know him from? I don't know where I know him from. Yeah. That's hilarious. Stuff like that happened all the time. Okay. If you could tell the Lander community anything, what would you tell them? I would tell them... What I tell them as much as I can every day, that I'm grateful for Lander. I'm grateful for you for taking care of me and my family all these years. Like nobody else could do what Lander has done. I think about my partner, Jen Barrett, has taken care of me for all these years. Certainly since Todd's been gone. Like this woman has just put her head down and made our store successful. Mm -hmm. Like it was all her hiring a great team of people. And and it was partly and a lot of it to take care of me and my family. I just am so, so grateful for Lander. I know Lander's really grateful for you. Mm, yeah. That is so kind of you to say. There's no place I could be other than Lander. I got lucky when we decided on this place. Thank you so much for being on. Yeah, I'm you. so glad you. to be here. Uh, I know in this wonderful spot it's and so to cool. talk with you and oh, yeah. Look at that. Right? I know. Yeah. I actually had to double take at those really tall trees that are kind of like scraggling out because I was like, wait, we're not. Getting, we're not. Those aren't aliens, right? Like they're not coming out of the sky. Like the way I'm like sitting here, they look. Yeah. Like they could be like coming from the sky, like oh little tornadoes God. or something. Well, and that fire burned through right there. That's so crazy. Yeah. I have this great photo of the house with a helicopter dropping a bucket of water like 50 feet out there on one of those big trees. Sheesh. It was like right here. It's so That's amazing. crazy. Yeah. It's yeah. fun to share this place. Well, thank you so much yeah. for sharing it with us. Thank you. This is Jordan. This is Amara. This is Dear Lander. We love you. Talk to you later. <laughs>